Yea, and the people did observe to keep the commandments of the Lord. And they were strict in observing the ordinances of God according to the law of Moses, for they were taught to keep the law of Moses until it should be fulfilled. Alma chapter 30, verse 3. Hey listeners, this is Jasmine from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, why does the Book of Mormon use so many different terms for law? Throughout the Book of Mormon, a set of synonymous or near-synonymous legal terms is often used to emphasize the righteousness or obedience of groups and individuals. For example, when Nephi and his people first broke off from the Lamanites and began to establish their own city, Nephi said, We did observe to keep the judgments and the statutes and the commandments of the Lord in all things according to the law of Moses. Similarly, during a righteous period of peace after Lamanite attacks had been thwarted, the people did observe to keep the commandments of the Lord, and they were strict in observing the ordinances of God according to the law of Moses. Similar lists occur throughout the Book of Mormon. Latter-day Saint legal scholar John W. Welch has explained that this seemingly redundant repetition is what's called a pleonastic list, and is similar to the list of nearly equivalent legal terms found in the Hebrew Bible. According to Jan van de Plug, in order to express the idea of right or law, the Hebrew language uses several synonyms, of which the principal ones are Torah, Mishpat, Chok, Chuka, Edut, as well as others such as Mitzvah. Several of these terms occur together in the planastic list that King David used when he charged his son Solomon to keep God's statutes, Chuka, and his commandments, Mitzvah, and his judgments, Mishpat, and his testimonies, Edut as it is written in the law, Torah, of Moses. Naturally, each of these Hebrew legal terms express different semantic aspects and subtle nuances of our word law. When studying the Book of Mormon's pleonastic lists and the usage of each of its legal terms individually, Welch found that the English translations corresponded well to the nuances of their closest Hebrew equivalents. Torah is used in reference to the law of Moses, but also means more than just law. Welch explained that the word Torah is related to the Hebrew word for teaching or instruction. Thus, the expression, the law of Moses in Hebrew feels like the teachings of Moses, similar to how Latter-day Saints have come to speak reverently of the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith or the teachings of President Russell M. Nelson. Thus, Torah actually embodies all God's instructions given to his people, implemented and taught through his priests, and fits with the frequently mentioned priestly function of teaching in the Book of Mormon. Mishpat is typically translated into English as judgment, usually meaning judgments or decisions of legal proceedings, but it can also mean acts of divine judgment or eternal justice. This term also broadly embraces most phases of a legal trial, including verdicts or decrees, which came to take on the force of positive law. In the Book of Mormon, Welch noted, the term judgments appears in the context of judges who judge righteous judgments, or it refers to the outcome of a court procedure or to God's judgments upon his people. Mitzvah usually means either a commandment or precept, and it is used frequently, especially in Deuteronomy, in reference to orders, requirements, or commandments given by God. Similarly, Welch observed, the use of the word commandments in relation to God is extensive in the Book of Mormon. A dut normally refers to testimonies or witnesses. According to Welch, especially in the early biblical period, the law was thought of as a testimony or witness that God had established. In the Book of Mormon, similar ideas are found. For example, in King Benjamin's farewell speech and in Moroni's words concluding the monumental Nephite record, where King Benjamin and Moroni say people will be judged by their words at the final judgment. Chok and Chukah. 
Finally, these two terms are actually the masculine, chok, and feminine, chuka, forms of the same root. Thus, there was really no difference in meaning between them. Broadly speaking, this Hebrew word means something like a custom, order, decree, or limit. It is typically translated into English as either statute or ordinance, usually in the sense of an order or decree of a governing body, much as we speak of a city ordinance or a state statute. Since these two forms of this word, chok and chuka, are virtually identical, it is understandable that they never appear together in any Hebrew planastic list. Thus, I find it quite significant, reasoned Welch, that the English words ordinance and statute never appear as companions in the planastic lists in the Book of Mormon. Indeed, they are the only two English equivalents of any of the Hebrew terms for law that never appear in the Book of Mormon in combination with each other. This rich vocabulary reminds readers how important the law was for the Nephites and all ancient peoples. Ancient law expressed the divine will, the necessary order of life, the highest ideals of civilization, and the substance of justice. Modern people can scarcely fathom the degree to which the law was venerated and respected by ancient people. Ancient cultures ceased to exist if their language norms and rules were not successfully transmitted from one generation to the next, as happened in many cases. No ancient person would doubt that a people without a law would dwindle and perish in unbelief and disarray. The same is true in the modern world, even though many tend to take the stability of the law for granted. Civilization can be precariously fragile even in modern times. No wonder Lehi reasoned that if there is no law, there is no God. And ultimately, as Alma states, without justice, God would cease to be God. The full wisdom of the law implemented the divine edict and defined social order. Understanding and living the full objectives of the law provides all people with valuable benefits. The conventional wisdom of ancient Israel held that the law of the wise is a fountain of life. And Israel was commanded to do all the words of this law because it is your life. Written law provided the basis for ethical training and responsible behavior. Psalm 19, a royal enthronement psalm, places law prominently in the eternal landscape of God's creation, and it extols the virtue of the law in magnificent terms. All of the main terms found in the Planistic law lists are included here. The law, Torah, of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, edut, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statute, chukot, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment, mitzvot, of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The judgments, mishpatim, are true and righteous altogether. The nuances of these different Hebrew terms for law illuminates why such terms as statutes, judgments, commandments, ordinances, and laws appear so prominently in the Book of Mormon. These different English words are used effectively throughout the Book of Mormon to convey the range of meaning and nuance of their nearest Hebrew equivalents. Thus, when it comes to these terms, the translation of the Book of Mormon appears to be precise and exacting, so much so that the two terms in English, statute and ordinance, that typically represent exact equivalents in Hebrew, chok and chuka, never appear together in any planastic list. Even though these terms are near synonyms, their use together in planastic lists in the Book of Mormon and the Bible has a forceful, cumulative effect, driving home the importance of total obedience to all of God's laws, rules, regulations, and commandments. As Welch noted, modern legal draftsmen sometimes do the same, multiplying words and planastic lists to cover all their bases, rights, title, and interest. This ensures there are no loopholes. The covenant terms are comprehensive and complete. And when disciples of Christ's truth and righteousness commit themselves to living all of the Lord's wise laws, ordinances, and gentle commandments with all their heart, might, mind, and strength, 
another scriptural list meant to convey the need for total and complete commitment, the Lord blesses and prospers them in overflowing abundance. By regularly and sincerely striving to obey all of the laws, rites, and ordinances of the gospel, all people can receive all the blessings that are offered by God to his children through the fullness of blessings of his everlasting plan of salvation and exaltation. Indeed, when we truly love God, we devote to him our all. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And for all these reasons, this is why the loving Lord Jesus Christ similarly affirmed this law to be the first and greatest of all the commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Book of Mormon, visit bookofmormoncentral.org and click on the Know Why tab.